0: Welcome everyone to Handaan, a PT Meal Podcast Live. So we are live now at um, in, in, in PT Meal Podcast Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. And uh, this episode will later be available in your favorite podcast streaming apps. Um, so uh, to those who are familiar with uh, PT Meal podcast, so. Uh, the regular podcast we inter, you know, we feature different PTs and uh, their stories and in their individual specialties. So in this segment, Yohan it's like any other gathering that we we come together and we talk about certain topics. Tapos in this case, we're going to talk about topics related to physical therapy profession and practice. So um, So it, today's topic is. Uh, concerns and Issues uh, Faced by Filipino Physical Therapists Working uh, and Migrating in the Philippines I in, in the US, sorry So, you ang pag-usapan natin We have uh, guests that, that, that we as you said, like, spanned um, decades of experience uh, So, we're gonna hear about that So, um, I guess we're ready Let me introduce my guests um, Okay let me introduce my guests. First, uh they're not uh new to the podcast, very sukina. Uh <laughs> um, they're uh, Ben and Maria Aguila. So hello. Hi Ben Hi, Maria. So they're they're uh, power couple, physical therapy power couple, uh based in uh Jersey, City, New Jersey, right? Uh practice owners. Ayah. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm doing live again. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: All right.
1: The, the other camera isn't working. That's why we're doing this. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> actually, actually, it kind of works.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. well, that's live. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. But that's okay. Yeah. Glad to have you here. Uh, next is a physical therapist in Texas. Also not new to the show. Mark Basco. Welcome back.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, nice. And uh, ito, bago to the show and and first time live then. Uh, Let me welcome Fretchy Garcia-Blair. Hi, from Colorado. Hi there, Fretchy.
3: Hi, Johan. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. And uh, (laughs) last is uh, Emmanuel Malabanan, a physical therapist in uh, Texas as well. Hi, Iman.
4: Hi, Good evening, good morning, wherever you guys are watching.
0: So, <laughs> right, right. so, good morning everyone in the Philippines and good evening here in the U.S. So, uh, just to give you a background kung paano nagsimula itong um, mini-group namin to. is, it started way back in, I know, way, way back, it was in February in, in uh, CSM. <laughs> CSM, uh, the Combined Sections Meeting of um, the APTA. So, we had dinner. And uh, we yeah, <laughs> so we talked about uh, we parang gato, uh, uh mm-hmm. in, over dinner, we talked about different topics, you know, with different things about uh, physical therapy, and we shared our experiences. And parang that day, mm-hmm. panaisiko di, yung conversation niyo dapat na i-share sa ibang tao, kasi we're we're only a small group, but we have a rich experience, di ba, Na I, I feel other people could benefit from. So yon. So doon na na-conceive yung idea ng handaan. This was supposed to be the first episode of that like roundtable podcast thing. Eh. So, pero due to you know, availability, na na-push na push ka po. I'm glad na nandito lahat tayo so to share that. So, um let's probably begin with the uh the conversation with the context na what we were talking about back then. So, I'll give the floor to Ben and Maria because I think we we started that uh discussion then with um your uh what do you call this your your talk about uh cultural um Com- uh, competency in, in physical therapy and the the stories of uh internationally educated physical therapists and in their and struggles and concerns going here in the in the US so let let's start probably from there um, I guess
1: the story starts with me, Kasi, Um I was in the age of 99, and I really wanted to immigrate to the U.S., so I immediately moved after graduating in year 2000. And then I I went to a particularly harrowing and negative immigrant experience. And then, you know, long story short, I was able to get through it. And fast forward a few years later, the realized Advocacy ko advocacy is towards helping make it not a bad experience for the people who are after us. And that's why the advocacy for uh, positions from a, within APTA, organizing at the grassroots level, para meron namang kumaga champion and advocate ang mga PT na parating pa lang at andito na to be fully a part of the profession. Pero meron din kasi mga ibang cultural issues on top of that that I think CONCI really uh, tackles really nicely.
5: Um, I think on my part, actually, I have several, but um, although, yes, I am an immigrant, of course, but I didn't have to go through the, you know, migrating here uh, via work because at that time we were already married. So, I, but in a way, though, the migration is actually dependent on him. Um, but um, mine was different in that I was having a lot of like moral injuries, you know, uh, moral dilemma that I was not able to pinpoint. And I, I felt like, um you know, baka ako lang to. Baka kasi mahirap lang akong, you know, is it just me making an issue of a lot of like, um, you know, like ethical concepts, ganyan. Because in practice, you know, uh, normally it's also the, I think, the immigrants who, wala naman tayong masyadong choice kasi when it comes to time work diba? I mean, we know that, especially if you're working with an agency. um And this is a story that we hear as in, till this day, till I last heard week. that just last night, you know? <laughs> so when it comes to that, there are really a lot of issues that I think actually concerns the profession as well because these are issues that we face from, from a professional standpoint, right? So uh, we, are, we should not be fighting all these issues actually on our own. Unfortunately, during that time, uh, I know, Im- except for Emmanuel, right? um, and I think maybe Frenchy, right? we've been here like two decades, uh, such that we still remember the time when we had no community within the APTA. So, and it wasn't until we actually uh, got involved with the APTA that we realized that, you know, actually, we need to be a part of it because it's really a rich resource. Now, the other thing is that I think as a woman, in PT, I'm also, uh, I also have like different roles and different hats. So my other take is that, um, you know as a person and also as a mom I'm raising kids first generation first generation you know um americans let's let's put it that way um and as such they're all going through as we are you know the what so called acculturation experiences so we have the lived experiences but we don't really have the words for it ano ba pinagdadaanan so I know, that within all of us in this room right now, we went through a lot of those conversations during the night. And I actually just wanted to say, it's not just because I think it was a very enriching um, experience to share, uh, but I think we really had genuinely had fun that
6: night. <laughs> <laughs> right,
5: right. So, parang, we went through the stages of Pagpapaalam Pinoy style. Yung tayo loob. Tapos lumabas pa. Tapos naglakad pa, di ba? parang, ayaw na know, So, you,. parang and i'm so happy by the way to see you all guys here tonight
0: right right yo thank you uh for for opening it up that so uh you know um tayo na pagdadaanan like going over going here so let's start probably with uh emmanuel so what was your uh struggles or, or challenges when you came here um i don't know uh, how many <laughs> <laughs>
6: Right. I'll leave that to you.
4: Right. I actually um I migrated to the US to work uh July of nineteen eighty-eight. So and you know what could go wrong went wrong when mm-hmm. I arrived. I mean I mean and don't and that's not that's not an exaggeration. Um the original agency that I worked with was, did not, you know, I was already here, but apparently I didn't have any work. So I had to be resilient and actually be resourceful and find a way to be able to find work within, within, within the timeframe of my my that my visa would allow at the time. Mm-hmm. So I had that going. And then when I finally did find an employer, then I had to deal with the immigration issues, legal issues. So, on top of the acculturation issues that you, 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 you uh, face every single day. Um, Cause I was a traveler initially. So, and I was um, actually, I was actually working more so in the South. So, and if for you, those, you know, for those in the Philippines that, that may not be familiar, the South is a very racist region of the United States. So you're always faced with that when when i when i was beginning so yeah my my it hasn't been a really uh smooth start for me for the first at least 3 or 4 years or so you know you have to deal with the legal stuff on top of and stop of being a 22 year old stupid guy at that point, i didn't really know anything about life at that point i was just wide eyed like, and ditched uh, <laughs> yeah but i i had to i had to grow up very quickly and and learn to navigate through that. So, yeah, that's my that's my story from the 1980s. Not to mention I was probably one of the first few. That was the start of the recruitment from the Philippines to the US. So, I'm probably one of the first, I'd say I would say in the, two, the first two three years of that um, process of bringing people in, so people don't really know what to do with us still. Yeah, but they were bringing on, I mean, I was I could tell you, I was I was part of my entire graduating class from USD, the 1987 graduating class. I think about 80% of us actually came to the U.S. by 1989. Mm -hmm. So that was the volume of people that you are actually, and that's just one class, one graduating class. So Mm -hmm. imagine how many people came along with me so I would say probably good 60% of the graduates of the Philippines that are practicing in the Philippines were drained out of Manila and the entire Philippines to come over to the United States. So there's repercussions of practice in the Philippines and repercussions of practice here during that time.
0: Uh-huh. So probably that's when the, the mass migration started, You know when your PT migrating became more popular and more popular now.
4: Yeah and that, you know it, there it's no bolt from there it's like more schools were established in the Philippines immediately after that because there is so much need um my the, I, and you guys are familiar I mean particularly Johan you, you and I came from the same university you know very well that uh from a one class one class per year it grew to I think now what about four or five classes graduating each year uh, I you know, we have PT and speech now, right? So yeah, so it 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 has changed because of that, because of that migration of people. It, it the practice in the Philippines has changed significantly, and ours here as well.
0: Uh-huh. So so see who helped you out back then when you know <laughs> migration is, was new for Filipino Filipino PT?
4: Let me not mention names because
0: uh-huh. I mean, how how were you able to
4: navigate that? Actually, I mean, truthfully, um, when I when when I first heard of practicing in the U.S., the only reason why I decided to actually um, pull the trigger, and I, and I and I'm gonna admit to the fact that at that time I was 22 years old. I don't know anything better. I was just looking for something fun to do, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh it would be fun to work. I mean, to move halfway across the world, (laughs) not not knowing anyone, you know, and (laughs) and,
6: and,
4: and I found, I found, uh, I found there was a recruiter in the Philippines that came and they were like, I mean, they were, I mean, I I was probably one of the spoiled ones because they were actually at the time um, they were actually helping us paying for the processing fee paying for immigration processing fee, paying for your licensure, uh, even your TOEFL TSE and TWE, they were, they were responsible for that. So I did not have to pay for my own placement fee at that point, at that point. I know very well after me, that has been a very different practice. So yeah, so I was one of the first few that was actually recruited and asked to, you know, the United States. So that was that was that was uh, that was easy from the from the Philippine side. Mm-hmm. The challenge was when you come stateside, mm-hmm. and apparently not everything is, um, they're not as as set. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my experience, but now I don't think it, that I don't think that that was everyone's experience though at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, um, how about you, Frenchie Is it uh, similar or? Oh
3: no, 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 no. Um, I my coming here, I came here because of love. So I married an American. So that's how I came here. I did not come here through, uh, you know, an agency or anything like that. So as far as having a house or a car, or having applying credit card. Because I know I have friends that went through that. So I didn't have to go through that. So my struggle is different. My struggle was, I came here, I wasn't, you know, I did not apply for, you know, PT or, you know, credentialing. So the struggle of trying to get your requirements while you're here, and I don't know about your guys' school or universities, but getting your uh, requirements, it's so hard. So that's one of the struggles. But I think the biggest thing is trying to, it's the confidence. I I have to say that not having someone that will mentor you, not having someone or a family or a community that will help you or give you confidence, it's really tremendous to have that. And I didn't have that when I started. And I remember one of my struggles was I was so, I did not take the uh, the p t the uh, the board examination here in the here in the United States right away, so I came here two thousand and one and I graduated nineteen ninety nine so basically I was out of the classroom for three years, so I felt like okay i don't have all the i can't remember all the, the theoretical knowledge, so I have to sit down and review but then at the same time, I was so focused on getting some experience that I started as a rehab aide here in the united states a rehab aid because nobody will accept me and at that time i didn't know how to drive and i think most people from the philippines don't know how to drive and the reality that's really tough um it's not like chicago or new york where you have a good public transportation here in colorado we don't have outstanding public transportation so my struggle was i remember when i first started i have to commute four to five hours. And it's not an exaggeration. I didn't have a life. I went to bed at nine, woke up at three o'clock, because I really wanted to have a PT related job. And that was a PT aid. And I remember, as a rehab, as a rehab aide, you were paid between $9 to $10 an hour. So that was a struggle. But I was again, I was so focused and trying to get some PT experience, because it was hard. That's the other thing people need to know. It doesn't matter how much experience you have in the Philippines. If you don't have any U.S. experience, it's really difficult. But then what I realized, too, even having three to six months of U.S. experience, it was so it was so much easier to get a job. Uh, the other struggle I had was this. Um, again, I talk about confidence. I was unlucky in a way that I met condescending therapist. And at that time, there was a PT assistant that I worked with. And I, because of her at that time, I felt like I will never become a PT here in the United States. I didn't feel like I have the knowledge. I didn't feel like I have the skills. With all the experience and the education I got in the Philippines, I didn't feel like it was enough. Because like, you know, I don't know about your guys' training, but I've never heard about PT doing TMJ, PT doing lymphedema. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this what physical therapy is about here in the U.S.? I don't have those experience. But then I get I was also lucky that the PT that, you know, she was especially she was very supportive of me. And that really helped me. And then the other thing too that I struggle with is I just wish that Filipinos support other Filipinos, especially when you're, when you're a newbie, because I've worked with some Filipinos that instead of like, teaching you, you know, the right way. Like um, I I still remember this to this day that, you know, like having ortho patients, like I know that you need to have, you know, weight bearing status and you just forgot to write it down. But instead of like, you know, you're you're from the Philippines, you're both Filipinos. Like instead of like trying to talk to you directly to guide you, like talking behind you. So those are the struggles, but you know, I I think I really believe Filipinos are resilient. I really, really believe that, and luckily, I also have a, a husband that was very supportive and like a cheerleader. You can do this, you know, that, that kind of thing. And my, um, and then my childhood, my family, like how they raised me, like you know, you're here, just you know, just uh, uh, just bring your head down, work hard, and you're going to be successful. So I, I brought that with me, and but the confidence didn't come easily. So I, I really think that the struggle of, you know, like, okay, I'm not good enough. I, I struggled with that. Not having supportive people that could... And then even like my very... Because I work in an acute setting and this is what I love. But I remember when I first started and it was like I started from... A, well, I work from a SNF or a nursing facility to acute setting in a hospital. And it's a completely different ball game. But I remember one of the OTs, it was just my first day. From a sniff, uh, from a sniff to a hospital, and then she was already like, "Oh, she's a terrible PT. She doesn't even know this and that." And I've heard about that. And it's like, but you know what? Though, like, of course, I was hurt. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna show it to you that I can be good. And and that that really that really helped me. But it's, again, struggles, the confidence, people. I I really and I'm really glad, you know, meeting Consi and Ben and having this. You know, internationally educated PTs like helping people, and I—we really, really need that because I think we're very smart. You know, we 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 have the skills, we have the knowledge, uh, but it's just like it's so easy to feel inferior to yeah. our US counterparts or our US peers. It, it really, that's my personal experience, anyway. So yeah. I, I'm so glad to met Consi and Ben. I don't know why I've never met these two people before, but it's it's very inspiring. So I, I'm really I'm really excited and yeah, so thanks for inviting me I got to share that struggle. But yeah. you know what? I, I it made me stronger. I, I really it's not it's not a cliche, but it, it did make it did make me stronger mm-hmm. going through yeah. those struggles.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a common uh experience the man right with, with some of our, our uh colleagues like, that come over here. Not you know not knowing anyone. I, I'm just I, I'm thankful that uh, in my experience I, I came to a place where there's a lot of Filipino physical therapists. So I didn't feel na iba because w- within our workplace most of the PTs are Pinoy and they're supportive. No, not not like your experience. Sorry to hear you that. Now, um, Ben, were you about to say something?
1: Uh, no, well, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, at some point, I just want to make sure that my most exciting part of this conversation is the oral historian that Emmanuel is, and we need to go back to 1980s physical therapy <laughs> practice in the Philippines. Later I know on. we're dealing with a serious topic, but to lighten up later, I just want to make sure we want to talk about all the um, professional players. That oh, have- God! Oh,
6: have- God! <laughs>
1: sa <laughs> so, we'll mga Pilipino audience sa niya pero
0: we'll make sure we'll take note of that kailangan yeah.
5: <laughs> you know you, our experiences here, we all came at different points in time 80s, freshies, is actually closer to the 90s, right? Which is actually like around the time that we came as well. So you can kind of like see the struggles especially of those who migrated first being that there was wala naman masyadong PTs at that time. And then contrast that with, and then sila pa actually were in the South and then in Colorado. So, which is really, you know, like white dominant um, area. So, and then with you, Johan, I know by then, diba uh, grupo-grupo na yan eh. Ngayon iba na yung, iba na rin yung experience may kasi de may mga parkada na. And then with social media, I guess it's you know, I'm sure every one of us being away from you know like home still mm-hmm. feels kind of alone in a way, right? Pero kahit uh, you know, it's a different sense of community altogether. Right, right. And uh, then they live in the group. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, demand Mark? Um, you came here when? 2000? Uh 2012, 2012 January. 2012. Oh, me <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how, how was your how was your experience? What was your, um, what was your what was your concerns and your struggles coming over here? Um, yung sa agency naman walang mga masama
2: problema no? Kasi during that time matipino yung mga agencies during that short period of time. Uh, <laughs> nila kami ng, ano, ng, uh, they opened up bank accounts for us. Then they had they arranged a rental car. Uh, rental car tapos yung car dito sa America, Kasi dito sa Texas where I am at, kailangan talaga uh, may kotse ka. So, I'm glad that that was take, well taken care of kasi yung mga, may Pilipino din sa hospital namin, pero med mm-hmm. Uh sila. Yung experience sila is uh, yun, wala. Nag-umpisa talaga sila sa, ano, uh, wala. Kasi yung agency nila, hindi sila binigyan ng support. Uh. So, I'm very thankful for my agency. Kaya lang nung dumating ako sa um uh, do sa pukunan na namin yung rental car, pinag-drive na ako. Pinag-drive na ako sa pop ng siguro one hour yun. Hindi pa ako nakapag-drive sa America that time. So, I had the deathbed so wheel, wheel, tapos nanginginig talaga ako. Sabi ko, baka mamatay na ako dito. <laughs> <laughs> tapos <laughs> oh kasi drive ko, mga 50 lang, tapos 70 miles per hour. Yung, e sa atin, di ba, pag 100 kph. Ma- 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 mabilis na 'yun. Eh. <laughs> um, but what yung sama-samaer naman um, in terms of community important kasi 'yun uh, dahil um it very lonely uh, magstart start dito sa America kahit may mga friends ka um, in my case um, I had to wala akong family member dito tapos I left all my friends and loved ones back home tapos na desino sa isang part ng Texas Malay city, sa rural area talaga sila. The good thing is nag-step up yung community to support me, even if they have, they're have they of a different race than me kasi monster is about 98% white. But, the people are very generous. They accepted me as their own. Ako yung pinakaunang, ako lang Pinoy and Foreign PT sa department, sa, ter- sa hmm. department. PTOT speech, lat sila is... Uh, uh white. so ako lang talaga yung foreigner then they they took me as their own little brother so they uh they uh helped me you know adjust they gave me leeway kung mag- nagkakamali ako uh binibigyan nila ako ng pointers how to talk to patients kasi ibang sense of humor din dito sa south sa America itself um they didn't i didn't feel that i was different um kasi I, uh, uh, they they treated me as a professional and they didn't make me in front of me condescending comments or or um um remarks that would indicate na they they view me as others so yeah so i was very thankful mm-hmm. no pagdating ko nga sa first day ko sa work di pa ako makain na breakfast nun? kasi kakagaling ko lang sa airport uh wala akong kinain mm-hmm. that night kasi sarado na yung lahat ng restaurant so gutom na gutom na ako ayas yung supervisor ko uh saan ba pwedeng kumain dito pwede bang kumain dun sa ano sa cafeteria sige punta sa cafeteria tapos yung yung kitchen staff prepare the breakfast for me um so wow. i that that um endeared me to the that endeared the community uh, sa akin mm-hmm. then no nag ako sa DPT they, they was yung hospital administration kahit hindi nila binibigyan ng pay tuition etc uh, they asked they they gave me permission to use the hospital resources to uh to study then kung kailangan ko mag off sa work they they were supportive tapos nung graduation day ko a day before nagpa-party sila sa akin surprise <laughs> party wow. pa <laughs> tapos um nung pag-graduate ko sa uh, sa DPT program they had a newspaper article for me tapos nung uh-huh. nag uh, pumasok sa GCS they had a news article for me a uh, newspaper article newspaper uh, article dito sa community tapos nag nagarin sila ng radio interview sa para sa akin so, <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was very positive um uh, patient wise yung struggle is yung career sinabi ni fetching confidence mm-hmm. um kung wala kang confidence kay mo saampek nyo para
6: yeah. <laughs> kasi uh, para
2: <laughs> <laughs> kasi partisya treatment din. if your patients see you confident they would uh, that would also enhance your treatment outcome so yun um, uh, may mga pasyenteng, kanya tinatano ako ng subtle subtle siya subtle comments about okay where did you come from or um, uh, ilang taong kanadito tapos um, are you are you Hispanic tapos um, mm-hmm. and then that's uh, are you really my therapist tapos um, you look too young to be a therapist uh, <laughs> do you really know what you're doing on <laughs> ganon uh, so yung, yung yung challenge is how to navigate that so usually nadangko sa sa humor or I explain to the I just matter of fact sa patient tapos okay. you learn how not to discuss politics religion or um other sensitive topics sa patients may mga patients ito that during the election period mashadong heated ang conversation so you have to know how to steer it away
6: mm-hmm. or
2: um uh, kasi uh yun um it's it's mahirap nang mag, maging involved sa
0: sticky issues like that mm-hmm. and right I so yun, you get to an
5: yeah, sorry, that's when yeah. I looking young, it becomes a disadvantage. So, so I have one American <laughs>
1: saying, I might get in trouble for saying, it. I'm going to say it anyway um, Asian don't raisin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, know, <laughs> Marion. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's my first thing. What does that mean? Wrinkles. It takes okay. a long time. Can we send up a and younger than we actually are? So, that's the they are in the past Asian don't raisin. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you yeah. yeah, true. <laughs>
5: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, you, yeah. You, that's why looking at Emmanuel, you wouldn't guess,
4: nah.
5: right? <laughs> Actually, I, I, yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> I turned fifty-six
4: last month. So happy Woo-hoo! birthday! Happy birthday. And I can't too, Happy birthday, Presley! Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
6: that's so, ample yeah it, birthday. I
4: happy birthday! Birthday. Absolutely true. You, 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 when you first came here, and and reality of it also is especially during, um, during the 80s and the 90s, you know, uh, we graduate about two years earlier than our American counterparts. Right.
6: Yeah.
4: So right. we actually, we, then that's why I kept saying, you know, I came here at the age of 22. I was already a licensed physical therapist in the Philippines at the age of 20. Mm-hmm. So, so if, you know, if you put that in context here, they're barely graduating high school. So when you first walk into that room and you introduce yourself and I'm you know this 21 22 year old guy and i saying I'm going to be your physical therapist and they look at you and they say get out of here you know <laughs> it's like uh, it's like you're a candy striper you know you're like you, you, I don't want to believe you you know and then and then you and then on top of that if you are not and, and I and I, I you know I I feel for Freddie her her initial struggle um, the, that confidence, you kind of really have to build that very, very early on. Um, luckily before, before I started work, I've already, I've already realized that I need to be, you know, I have to develop that tough skin and I have to, um, to sound and look confident because my first, uh, July, right. I came July 88, August, September of in October, all I was doing was just finding someone to employ me. Right? And because I was I was jobless and within the United States and my visa was about to expire. So I have to present myself uh, during those times that you know it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Like I I have to like I have to all I have to sound and like an expert because no one would be interested in you if you're going to, if they're going to think that they'll have to train you to do what you need to do.
6: Mm-hmm. You know?
4: So so that I had to like, really, I had a saying before, <laughs> fake it till I make it.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I say it again, fake it till I make it.
6: Mm-hmm. And that
4: was, that was it. It's like, if I don't know, I will tell you, I will learn it. And yes. I will. And that you know, it's, from the chat, mm-hmm. I, somebody, any advice for incoming PT intern? Yeah. Get that mindset already, right? So you need to make sure that your your you are at. This is a this is a phrase I learned from my DPT program as well. You need to be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's something you do not know, you better find a way to learn. There are so many avenues right now that you can do it. Subscribe to. To see EU co- classes, I mean, there's like Medbridge. There's so many things that you could do that you could, um, and make sure that you're you're you have access to a word catalog so you can go into the libraries of different universities all around the world so you can start researching things because that that's it. You have to arm yourself with the with the knowledge. You know, if you're if you're an incoming person into this practice, you have to get into that mindset that that you, do, you don't have, you don't have you don't know all of it yet. You don't have all the skills yet, and you better find a way to learn it.
2: Right. Yeah.
4: And I think that's that's very true of us uh, internationally educated PTs. I don't know about you guys, because when I first, I mean, they were very happy to have me there because I was, you know, there. They did not have enough PTs yet at the time. They don't. They're not graduating enough PTs within the U.S. Um, And there's, you know, I'm one of the first few that actually, I actually, my first job was a a brand new hospital. Like it's a brand new rehab hospital. There were, when I walked into the facility, my boss was a PT. Her boss was a PT. The CEO was a PT, but none of them were touching patients. Mm -hmm. So when I walked in, I would be the first person to touch a patient. And guess what? I was given a traumatic brain injury unit. I was the only PT in a traumatic brain injury unit. In 1987, when I graduated, there was no such thing as a traumatic brain injury unit that you could intern at in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So I had to fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. I learned everything that I can about traumatic brain injuries. And that's how and that's how you kind of have to, you know, the mindset when you start practice here, you gotta, you gotta know, make a make a listing mm-hmm. of your, what you're comfortable with and build your confidence in that. You know, mm-hmm. make sure that you're you're selling yourself to people and saying, you know, this is what this is what I know and I'm capable of doing this. And what I don't know, I will learn and find your resources. If I
1: may tie something that something Emmanuel said and I think is something very important, especially that, you know, is notice how she he was able to fake it by actually learning it. He actually had to go learn. Back mm-hmm. in 1997 and 1996, when I was reading, I Brunstrom and the one, and the... isa. The Tora. The 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 The
6: the
1: Flash forward. Anong ginagawa ko ngayon? instead ng hard copy sanda the na pdf na pumipila na parang di na tatapos kasi nga hindi na yung kailang aralin eh so to the interns or to the students who are thinking about pt mm-hmm. kung hindi ka nahihi magbasa ooh it's gonna be an uphill struggle
5: and it's not about uh, healing more hindi alright you know, it is uh, something that you have, to have. It's under your responsibility to do. And actually, something that I'm also going to tie to what uh, Emanuel was saying, Uh, Frenchy and and Mark as well, is that, okay, you have that feeling of you're not confident. Uh, And I think that that's natural, that's normal, that's expected, because we also don't want to steer them into thinking, oh, you have to be overly confident either. I think the key term there is what we call uh, cultural humility you know, especially nowadays, just because there's social media, just because uh, we share, you know, we watch a lot of, like, American movies. Don't ever think that you're no longer going to have culture shock because what we watch in the movies and what people portray, you know, what people post could be very, 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 very different from what's actually happening. Diba? Mm-hmm. So uh, don't be overly conscious of that. And also, and this is the thing, sometimes kind of like my beef, beflaga with the you know with uh with i guess with the way we're educated as well that just because uh the books that we read deba, right, are actually from from the western studies we think <laughs> the education is equivalent i'm going to be the first one to admit it's not the equivalent the theoretical foundation yeah, may be But the practice is definitely not. Such that when you get here, you also have to have that humility, you know, to give yourself that, okay, I need to learn. And it's okay to admit that you don't know everything and struggle, you know, uh, that you're going to actually learn it. Uh, Kesa, you know what I mean, diba? Um, Like, okay lang, okay lang to. Okay, okay lang to. Okay ako. Actually, it's normal for you to feel lost. It's normal na parang inara because you can just i mean just look at the apta and look at all the practice areas that we're in right? and and, and look at all the practice areas that we're in in the philippines and that, that we were actually trained for so it's not it's never going to be comparable not to put our philippine education down definitely not that's where we all graduated it's just that we we'll still have a lot to learn after graduating as you know our diplomas it's not a guarantee that we're already really good, right? Diplomas, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so certificates, and uh, what do you call that? Our licensure, the bar, Only actually at, at the at the very baseline ensures that we don't harm people, right? No, okay. no, that's, that's, that's all competence. it takes, to the is that you're not harming people. But that doesn't mean I and I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like in the first few years of practice, I don't really I don't think they're getting better because of me. I think they're getting better because of time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think they're just getting better because of the time they're spending, you know, like trying to get better. But not really. I'm not sure that it's actually because of me. But at the very least my concern was I just want to make sure I'm not harming them. <laughs> so that's, that's what and,
4: I and actually that is but by definition when when you're um even if you're handling students here, you're you're let's say you're a, a clinical instructor in a, in a clinical setting. That is, that is by definition, you have to meet a minimum standard to be exactly what Consi said, to practice safely. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And then when you meet that standard, then you're allowed to sit for the boards.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: And then and then that's the next struggle is you pass that board, which is another struggle for us uh, internationally uh, educated PTs because the way we structure our boards in the Philippines, I particularly during my time, I can tell mm-hmm. you... I can tell you, I sat through the boards in the Philippines for, two, for one and a half days for three exams, and it was so textbook. I mean, I even have a, a drawing of the brachial plexus during my exam that I have to label, label everything. <laughs> you know, and then, and then when I came here and I, was, I, was, I sat for, for the, uh, through the American boards exam, and it was so practical. And yeah. the verbiage is very different, you know, and and you're like, you're, you're, it's really more, you're calling upon more critical thinking wow. rather than memorization. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, what, what? You know, I was like, okay. So luckily I was actually, at that point, I was actually practicing already. So, you know, so when, when, when so you have, and you have to have, once again, you kind of have to realize that, you know, it's, physical therapy is not how well you memorize it's how well you apply you know so that's why when i got i left the philippines i came here and then i started working in in hospitals here now and then i appreciated the you know my professors the people that taught me anatomy the people that taught me kinesiology the people that taught, taught me physio because then i put it together and then somebody some vet, someone wise and very intelligent told me that you know as a physical therapist you know what you know what you are you're a movement expert you're a mobility expert you're you're a musculoskeletal musculoskeletal and neuro expert because you have to put it together and that and and, that, and that's you know that's kind of like you have you kind of have to like want to make sure that you're you're reaching into those different things because you have to learn how to tie it together and that's how you that's how you practice and that's and that's kind of like now that's how like i that's me i would be i was like oh, okay like today I actually did an evaluation today and it's um lady with uh, essential tremors and then she did a deep, deep brain stimulation no it she did a, a focused ultrasound so today i did th- her evaluation and her biggest problem is uh balance so now i'm i'm you know i'm my hat like neuro well this is not just a neuro problem now I have to assess musculoskeletal I have to assess vision I have to assess because it's a balance problem equilibrium so you know so you kind of have to like and you have to expand your knowledge that's why you have to be a lifelong learner because you do not know everything and, yep. you, and you have to know the scope of our practice the scope of our practice is not just pain it's not just teaching people how to walk that's a those movements are very very complex and it, that's 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 many different um, systems working together. So you kind of have to, like, when you're learning, you gotta reach into every single mm. facet of that of, of every single system. Okay. Right.
0: Right. So, like, uh, be conf- when you come over here in the U.S. Be confident enough that you pass the board exam just like any other locals. But yes. be humble also enough to know that you have to learn more. Yes. Yeah.
2: Because, and I think um, humility paves the way to maturity.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And maturity paves the way to, you know, your quest for lifelong learning. Because, as you can say, Emmanuel, you have to be real or you have to be true to yourself first. Reflect. Self-reflection is a key to professional expertise and professional development. You have to know the bounds of your knowledge, where you're comfortable at, the areas wherein you don't know. Um and the areas that you think are very interesting and that you want to pursue. Then once you nakita mo na yung boundaries na yon of your current state, then you can uh be mature enough to tell yourself that, okay, kailangan kong matuto pa. And then once that realization sets in, then you search for avenues. Kaya say sa ni Emmanuel, marami na tayong avenues ngayon, Medbridge and all, na wala parang wala ka ng reason actually to get, you know, na sabihin mo na, hindi ko alam to, dahil knowledge is just right in front of us. It's just within our reach. So, it's a matter of the initiating within yourself that journey towards, you know, lifelong learning. And again, that starts with self-reflection and um, just being true to yourself. Kasi yung sa akin nga, kanina, may, uh, I had a patient with ACL uh, repair and I thought, okay, alam ko na to. Yan ang mistake ko lagi. Pag sinabi pag like setin na sa utak ko na okay alam ko na to doon ka magkakamali or doon mo marerealize ah, hindi pala marami pa pala akong kailangang malaman So yung patient ko is as an ACL repair ko, okay uh, this is just routine nas nakita ko back you know wait bearing eh ang clinical practice guidelines right now is uh ACL uh, patient or patients who had an ACL reconstruction can wait there and wala namang meniscal root repair yung pasyente so I asked myself, okay, bakit kaya ganito? Baka nagkamali yung surgeon. De, ba, uh, the surgeon might have a reason why. So I uh I talked to the surgeon, asked them for the op report and I I read it about it and I thought, ah, bago tong method na ginawa niya. He used an endobutton kasi uh usually ang ginagamit ay screw and hmm. an endobutton endo is yung endobutton is par siyang maliit na pabuton niya na nag-overlay na lang siya do sa femur. That's uh, yung graph goes through it. Pero this, this particular patient, endobotone fixation siya both sa femur side and sa tibial side. Usually, sa femur side lang yon. Tapos sa tibial side, gumagami sila ng screw. Dahil uh, endobotone siya sa tibial femoral side, that's the reason why they had to uh, do non-weight bearing, and I had to go through the technical specs ng manufacturer itself, ng endobutton. Uh, just to re- know, na may, nagresearch sila and they found that, that early weight bearing and early aggressive range of motion causes enlargements of femoral tunnel. Kung nangdo yung graph, so mm-hmm. naglulusan yung graph over time.
4: So nar- oh, ganun pala yun. So I learned something new. And and, uh, and asked, see what the big the big part of what Mark was talking about was, see, like the and the button stuff. But you know the point is, there's studies actually out there that you can actually access and obtain so you can get that kind of knowledge. And then the other thing that really, really is very important is, you know, the humility of the fact that, okay, I, you know, it's like, okay, this is something wrong that key, keys into you to the fact that, okay, you, you, you're using your critical thinking. This is something new, why not weight bearing? Protocol dictates, you know, you should be allowed weight bearing. But going back and communicating with your physician and asking, that shows that shows really to humility, and that shows your quest for lifelong knowledge because you're asking information it's like okay this is out of the norm why is it out of the norm uh, explain to me why this needs to be this and then and then again if you're not still that's not enough and I I, I, I love the fact that mark Mark was like not happy with just saying because it's another button you know' I was like well I comment in the button before why not you know why not why not still wait bearing so she he, he actually went into his resources and found information as to why that's I mean that's that's a learning like just listening to him that's a learning experience for me because I see those those diagnoses every single day as well so
5: and I think that's also one thing that we have to also uh, put into consideration is that uh, research right? lifelong lifelong learning is because uh, we're we're actually in the healthcare we're in science and science is not the truth I mean I'm sorry. For those who think science is the truth, science is not the truth because science is always only diba, dependent on the discoveries and the research that actually happens at that time. Mm-hmm. And now, diba, especially at this time, science is continually evolving. May bago diba? so mark may bago na naman which is why you know, I think to me, my, my like especially my DPT experience, the very first thing that I told myself is that you know what. I have to unlearn to learn. That to me was key for my DPT. First semester pa lang, realized ko na, you know, yung mga foundational, foundational knowledge that I thought was foundational but hindi na, nakapako na Nung 20 years ago. I'm like, ah, hindi na pala siya. It's no longer the truth at that time Seven years ago, I do ten years ago ago. I mean, after you know, when I went through my no, eight years after when I went through my DPT. I'm like, okay, the science has already changed. So that's why actually one time when I attended the PPTA conference, I remember there was this one faculty was saying, ano ba na sa ko? E basic na And I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" So which is why <laughs> that's kind of scary. <laughs> it was it was really scary to me because I'm like, "No, come on, basic changes, basic." ages over time. So at the back of my head, I'm like, oh my gosh,
1: Here's another yeah. into to that, ha? It's, we're the children of two worlds. Mm-hmm. Mark is practicing at the highest, at the top of his license. He wasn't like, oh, sabi Doc, okay na yon. Right? Or, hindi, You know, he actually is using his critical thinking, his rational building, how to do that. Now, in the Philippines... Is there space for that, for a PT to do that? Considering yung institutional relationships, yung paano ang relationship within institutions. Let's talk about cultural. Yung authority figure, yung si Doc nagsabi ng ganito. Is there even space to have a conversation, right? And the Philippines is the Philippines. It is what it is because that's yun tayo eh. for America is America. So I think what we need to watch out for, because I think the theme of this conversation seems to be yung change, is being aware of those two. They're they're in parallel, they're both true, they're both real, and navigating both those worlds will be different. It's when you start navigating one or the other. Um, so obviously we're talking about Filipinos who want to come to American practice here. But also I'll argue Phil and who decide they want to help in the Philippines, they come guns blazing in saying, this is how we do it in America. And it doesn't foster change in relationships because sometimes we are not, I guess, giving as much consideration for the real uh, issue that PDRPs are facing. So, yeah, that's just one thing I want to, to uh, you point out to the panel and
4: to anybody
5: who's listening. Fultural. So that's a cultural context. That's the term.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and thank you for that, Ben. Because I'm. I could tell you honestly, I'd probably be if I, if ever I have to go back to the Philippines and practice again, I'd probably be one of those people who be, I mean, guns blazing, <laughs> I mean, ARs, and you know, in my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. And I probably probably would hate me because I would. I yeah I would definitely and you're absolutely right because you know going back to the the premise of our discussion what what we had to like learn and acculturate to when we first came over here that is actually one of my shocks. when when I was sitting amidst a team conference right and a team conference is basically a, your peer so all the different uh, specialties around you nursing PT, uh, OT your doctor, your social worker, case managers—they so they're sitting around you and and I was giving the patient and once again the PBI. And the doctor looked at me and he said, So Manuel, how long do you think we should have the patient in the hospital? And I went, What? <laughs> I, I really and truly my the boss had to hold my hand and squeeze it. Because I was what? Like what is he asking me? Why is why am I the person to to tell him how long the patient needs to be in the hospital? And and that that is the way that like, I had to learn that very quickly that you know what, you are here, I you're a professional. In the Philippines, and I hate to say this, and I really absolutely hate to say this, because I learned a lot in the Philippines but when I was practicing at Cardinal Santos Memorial Hospital. In Green Hill, this is
1: I wanted. This is I wanted. <laughs> right?
4: I was I was a glorified tech because I would I would yeah my evaluations were useless because essentially it doesn't matter what I see in my evaluation I will do the hot packs, ultrasound, massage, electrical stimulation. On my patient, it's written on the right. So, and and I don't know if you guys are familiar. If it, I don't even know if this hospital exists, Cardinal Santos Memorial Hospital at the time was. It's in the middle of Green Heels, right? So this is it's the still patient. there. Still <laughs> there. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> How my doctors are not there, the the day, be for sure now. Because I was, you know, and and they they had a very um, affluent patient population. Um are we gonna name names now? <laughs> <laughs> Not, only no,
0: like,
4: no, name names. That's where that's where they sent uh, like like let's movie say. stars and like like, like oh <laughs> who,
6: who, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> like, I had Crispa and Toyota players and San Miguel. So, <laughs> time. Yeah, I had. I mean, I'm not making names. I had Robert Jaworski, Atiko, Atadad. You know,
5: those are those were our patients <laughs> in my <our> clinic. Kaya pa kaya kaya nopo kaili yung Huh? <laughs> Short, Short Short
4: when, they the <laughs> clinic, when they go to the clinic, walang uniform. Walang <laughs> hipa. Walang <laughs> hipa sa solitines, right? So we can... You're inhale. only doing hot pass ultrasound massage. So I'm like like this. For It's not even eight minutes of the time for ultrasound. It's five minutes. I'm like, Hello. and no gel. I'm using oil, right? <laughs> I'm, using, I'm using... What is that? Hate? I'm using mantika, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding. And, my, uh, and my, my electrical stimulation machine was color brown. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a rich mar, the white fancy ones now with the different, uh, the different waveforms that you have. No, I, have, I think I have alternating current and direct <laughs> current. So you can either do uh, point stimulation and <laughs> the very basic tense unit. That's all we have. And, then, and that, <laughs> that's my entire day. Sometimes I would get a patient I would have to do ultrasound in like six different body parts. So I'm, (laughs) and then you'll have to stretch everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what the practice you, you, they tell you what to do and you kind of just have to do it. Um, there was, there was no need to critically think anything at that point. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that was my practice. I I'm hoping that it has Mm -hmm. changed and evolved through the years. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's the. But yeah, that's kind of like. Mm. So I'm a glorified tech, even though I'm doing it with Robert Jaworski or Atago. It's still, it's still a back ultrasound massage.
1: Hindi <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> pain modulation naman pag ginagamit mo siya yung head, no? Oh yeah, May the end, make the end. Hindi lang talaga ano?
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I was an expert. I was an expert on doing that surgery.
5: Ino ang nubay ng machine. Oh um, no we
4: have to do it uh, we have to do the test every single uh week to make sure that ah. the machine is working so you have to i don't know if you guys remember this you have to put the tape
0: tape around it on
4: um, head right and then you have to put the water on top of it and you have to turn it on and you have to see that <laughs> the oh. vibration <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, <small receber asha>
4: like beginning of the week ka. Pag, towards,
5: towards Friday Saturday, pag, I like gel, I oil. <laughs> I remember my first internship somewhere in I'm not going to say where somewhere in Laguna. Masu kasuka ako kasi Keto okay. naman, you have to scrape the gel and reuse it. Yeah. Yeah. So, pang yeah. So, it was, it was so gross. I'm like, hindi ko kaya, hindi ko kaya. So the first time I threw it out, nakita ko the demerit. the married. Sabi ko, ano <laughs> kagawin ko? Pwede po ba ako magdala, Magdadala na ng ako komodities? <laughs> out of my own allowance, kasi tara kasi scrape mo. So pag pagkakataas pag, pag, ng dalawang gamit, yak na ba talaga yung color niya? Putin. <laughs> you have to spray. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, oh okay, guys, you... well you know the same I thing. He had been not ready para mantika, designa mantika na. <laughs>
4: <laughs> have you used Have you used the paraffin before? You know, so I mean, once once here, pag tangal mo ng the paraffin wax, tiba tapo. No, no, <laughs> no. But no but then... Then... <laughs> 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 into the back la <laughs> and
0: at the end of the day you have to clean out all the dirt <laughs> all the dirt that that, that set us in <laughs> the bottom.
4: You, yes. Actually, so you have to freeze everything again. Let it let it cool down so you can chop off the
1: bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess like
0: what you know what interns can do in the philippines is try to imagine them as as the first person na kikitain talaga ng pasyente like your your words and your evaluation matters yun talaga dapat magandang isipin nila eh even though na you know kailangan kitain ng doctor yung yung patient pero going into internship dapat kinaiisip nila that my evaluation matters this is important um okay, para pwede sila makaambag may ambag ako oh, oh. no, kahit hindi kahit hindi basahin ng doctor pero for them dapat ganoon yung mindset eh, nila mm-hmm. yeah is dapat na ganun eh, di ba like the valuation should be the most important part dito ang laki ng, laki ng singilan ng evaluation eh,
6: mm-hmm.
0: di ba pero sa Philippines when i i i just put out a home care survey kinatanong mm-hmm. ko how much rate they're um charging pag home rate and they said they they charge similar yung evaluation. Some of them, lesser pa in in evaluation. Eh well, yung evaluation, di ba, yung pinaka ng part ng ng pagkita mo sa pasyente, di ba? So, yun, parang...
5: The that, uh, I was actually just speaking to a psychiatrist this morning and, you know, that's yun know, part of our conversation. And uh from what I understand from what the doctor was saying is that uh, in the patient's mind, the evaluation has already been done because they were already seen by the doctor. So, parang kasi da pa, bakit ka pa kailangan mag, mag-evaluate. At at least in the patient's mind, uh, parang dapat niyan, pagdating sa PT, because you already have the orders, treat na tayo kagad. So, uh, So now I'm trying to balance. Okay, maybe that's the patient's expectations, but that doesn't mean that we cannot change the practice to also educate the patient. It has to come from somewhere. Right. You want, and I think that's also what I'm going to tell the interns. You also have to be, honestly, at this point in time, you have to be bold, you have to be courageous, uh, especially if you want something to change. You cannot expect change to always be done from, you know, people outside of you. Sometimes, sabi nga, mahat magandi, you have to be the change you want to be. So, but pushing change, though, also requires a lot of, syempre, there's also a lot of skills in it, you know. So, it's not always hardcore, palaging, you know, palaban, hindi naman ganun. But you always have to try. And whenever, you know, like say you get rejected, tasa yeah. Don't take anything, please. Don't be very personal. Yeah. Siguro this just uh just a general advice. And actually, freshly, that was what I was gonna ask you too. Because yeah. you know, you're oh, you're sure. also married to a non-Filipino. So I'm actually thinking, ikaw. Every day of your life, you're acculturating both at home and at
3: work. Like, how is that?
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, well, I've been married for 21 years, so that seems natural to me now. But mm-hmm. no, I wanna, uh, I wanna like uh, add on speaking up. That's really, really important that if you think something is wrong, you better speak up. And more. I'll say 99% of the time, you know, like doctors, they don't want to be wrong. Like, you know, orthopedic surgeons are known to be arrogant and, you know, they feel like God. But that's really important. But as you said, too, that takes time to be confident, to speak up. And I also want to say, too, especially working in a hospital. I work in a hospital. And, you know, there's uh, advantages and disadvantages of being a PT because, I'll say the disadvantage first because they just expect you to magically treat someone. So could they send someone home? But if you realize, especially for interns, that's how uh, significant and relevant a profession is. We have a say we can keep patients in the hospital and more. And again, it takes time to be confident to, to, you know, like justify or to show you to document that, you know, these patients are not safe to go home and, again, it just reminded me because like, yeah, the culture in the, the culture in the Philippines is like, doctors are always right. You don't contradict what they're saying. And for me, even now, like it surprised me that I can do that because growing up in the Philippines, I was never, my mind was conditioned that, you know, the doctors are, you know, like the be all or the end all. So, but now, you know, as a practicing PT, especially in the hospital, Oh my God, like I probably upset a few doctors here and there. And I, I tried to be I try to get along, but sometimes I have to put my foot down like they're not safe to go home and I'm gonna document that and again, you know as interns, documentation I know we hate hate it sometimes, but documentation is very very important and knock on wood I don't have any wood here nearby, but you know I haven't been you know on the lawsuit yet because of you, but document document is very very important so um, so I didn't know about the the your question concy about you know having a non-filipino and you know so that I, I think that for like of course obviously I'm married to Ben so yeah, when yeah.
5: I'm home the I have to you know like you can you can kind of like I know like when we first moved there and what good thing is that we're kind of like always on the same wave like that <laughs> but at least you know like you can speak in tagalog if you need to Oh yeah uh, you know, like more oh, or you know, less the culture, yeah, you know, like more or less
3: oh, the… Oh, I gotcha. Oh, so let me just tell you because yeah. you that, know, know. that was the other struggle because I came here… And, and, you know, some yeah, people… Yeah, it, it made, was a struggle. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like, it is a struggle, I have to admit. So, yeah, that is another… It's, it's not professionally related, but it does affect your professional life because exactly. if things are not good at home… Because, like, for me, I could tackle anything as long as things are good at home. But when things are not good at home, then, yeah. But for the most part, like, the the cultural adjustment for me, because even though, you know, we speak English even before coming here, we understand it. But if we talk about straight English conversation, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in the Philippines, I don't speak English straight. I put, you know, Cebuano or Tagalog in English. You know, it wasn't like... You know straight english or pure english so that was a struggle and then the other thing about not having family or support i didn't have any family here when i moved here so but yeah but the the first year was tough not so much it affected my professional life it was just navigating you know because i'm a i'm a social butterfly and not being able to drive when i first moved here and being dependent on my american husband that was never exposed exposed to filipino culture that, that really was hard. So in that aspect, yeah, so that was a struggle on a personal level. But so I, my first year, not having family and having to speak English right away when you wake up in the morning. But in the long run, it helped me because when you work here in the U.S., you have to speak English. And that's why, you know, people uh, have asked me, like, you know, why is it easy? Well, I, I spoke English even before I came here and then I married an American. I did not have a choice. I, you know, I, and I have to say, this is funny, but I used to like when we, we were fighting before, it was so hard for me because I couldn't speak English. But after one year, then you know, I was like, I know how to speak now, so I could, <laughs> but you know, on the lighter side of things, so but yeah, yeah but that's a very good
1: point. Massive repetitive practice, lang, you got better. No, yeah. <laughs> I <don't know laughs>
3: well, I shouldn't say that. It's like it's like implying that we were fighting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, that's not the case. I'm Juju, right? <laughs> <word. laughs> and
5: then how about the food, like, especially in Colorado? Oh, my
3: God. Well, my husband struggled. If you guys are really interested, but real quick, my husband struggled because now I'm I'm a foodie now. So that's that's better. But it used to be I only eat rice and chicken when I first <clears throat> moved here. So, every for the first six months, my poor husband, and then I, and I don't know about you guys, but I was surrounded by very good cooks when I was in the Philippines. So I wouldn't say I didn't learn how to cook. I just didn't have an opportunity. So I was not a good cook. So like all this, all the food that I know how to cook now, I didn't know how. And then back then there wasn't YouTube videos. There was an internet, but it was limited as far as finding a recipe. And you're like, well, this is not like my mom's cooking. So the food, it was harder for me than it was for my husband. It really was. We had He had to drive me every single day just finding a Japanese restaurant to buy me food and because that was the only thing i want to eat was like rice and teriyaki chicken (laughs) (laughs) that is so true yeah but but after that (laughs) you adjust adjust again you don't have a choice if you want to live here you adjust again so yeah Mm -hmm. that's funny
0: (laughs) and we have a comment or question coming from rika jabs uh yeah everyone. Thank you for sharing your insights and advices on IBTs in the US. Any tip any tips on uh those who want to explore different PT field and expertise in the US? Cause it's I think uh major the trend in, in the Philippines is specializing and you know uh focusing <clears> on a different field. And like before that, you know, general a generalist is okay, you know. It's still okay, no matter I think more people are more concentrating on different fields. So um, how how they ca- how can they explore the different fields and expertise in the US?
5: Um, I I know Rika, so mm-hmm. she was actually yeah uh, she was a student of ours in the transitional DPT program. So I hope uh, actually Rika just came a few months ago. So okay, well, welcome Rika. She's in Texas. Um, oh, no. I'm not All sure right. if you're near yeah Emmanuel, and yeah. Mark, <laughs> but she's in Texas if I'm not uh, mistaken. So I hope you know you're okay um they're doing great and um i sempre kasi with rika you know i'm just gonna share my you know my, my experience is that i know when i came here and if i wanted to pursue pt i'm really interested in outpatient ortho so but what i did even though that was my interest is that i actually tried working in different kinds of facilities like different practices literally just for me to have a feel of okay how is it in like say a nursing home? How is it in a hospital? I did, there was no ICU PT at that time. So I was the first like, you know, like PT, ICU uh, manager, whatever, whatever, because I was the only one really. Okay. So um, from there, you know, like practice settings, I think I would say like explore different practice settings. And then, you know, like from there, see your different expertise. And of course, APTA is always a great resource. I mean, I'm so grateful that APTA is actually something that's much more readily accessible at this time. Uh, But really, I think this is also something that we would strongly encourage IEPTs is that, you know, what we call, as much as we have the personal acculturation that we call, we also have to have that professional acculturation. And that's the thing, yung pagiging alien natin will actually not get any better if we don't get involved. You know, at the very least to become member and to actually really see what's out there. Because otherwise, in the new comment if we actually just keep, you know, talking amongst ourselves within the community that we know, honestly, we don't really grow that way. you got to be able to explore outside. I mean, you know, our we love our community will always be have that special sense of belonging right? within our Filipino community. But we're not in the Philippines, <laughs> and even in the Philippines, actually, we they even also have to grow outside of just you know the, the Filipino PT community. So I would say, uh, you know, like explore, and even especially if you wanted to do the specialization, that's also one of the perks of being an APTA member is that you actually have a huge discount, right? Like uh, I know Johan, Mark, Deba, right? you all did all the specialization. So that was just like a general background, and then I'll leave it to you guys, you know, to share your experience on that.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, Mark. I'm actually I'm actually curious because I find that I
4: just found out that Mark and Johan and I are all uh, geriatric specialists. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, how Mark? How did you decide? I mean, oh,
2: um, because noong pagdating, um, uh, in general muna, sa question niya, um, I advise that for the first one to two years, just g- ni Konsi, just explore different fields and uh, settings, and then naturally may may mga events sa magdanan sa Sa particular specialty, Una yaya ko yeah, presence or presence of a mentor, uh, uh, yung personal experiences mo, um, yung um, passions mo. For example, uh, I was very close to my grandmother, and uh, she had dementia, Alzheimer's, and that really deeply affected me, and that nudged me towards um, taking care of others and especially taking good care of other people's grandparents, just as, as I would take care of my own lola. Uh, so with that desire, and may mga, I'm fortunate that I have mentors back in the Philippines that are geriatric specialists that uh, helped me along the way and gave me guidance. And solidify solidify that paved the way for me to choose to be a geriatric specialist because... I want to be a better therapist for my grand, uh, for the patients and grandparents or parents of the people that uh, that I serve in the community. So, (laughs) uh, that's
0: from my experience. For me, man, since I started here home health, so most of my patients are elderly. So parang, uh, I got that sense na, uh, okay, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy helping uh, the older population. Tapos, I I thought, what? how can I improve myself in helping this population better? So, uh, doon na pumasok yung, when um, I'm part of uh, the Facebook group, AFAPT, uh, Academy of Filipino American Physical Therapists, and they post, um like congratulations they they did like uh for for newly uh, board certified clinical specialist. so do ko lang na, na nakita yung may ganoon palang specialization so being aware of that so nagresearch research na ako ay pwede pala since ito pala yung ito yung population na sinaserve serve ko ngayon baka dito na lang ako so parang sa ako parang hindi ko talaga siya wala siya sa my mindset ko. but since I was already there in that population, I thought of just uh, sticking there. And when I moved here sa California, na naman ako sa sniff, then older population. Pa rin. so sabi ko, dito talaga ako sa geriatrics. So, wala sa isip ko, pero kinda the career pointed me to that direction. So, yeah.
4: I, I guess with me, I decided on, I guess it's a long and very complicated way to get here Uh, to be a a geriatric specialist as well I you know because early early on I thought I was like this Mm neurotherapist I mean my focus was really and truly PBI stroke so in the beginning you know and 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 I think that's how I realized I'm a lifelong learning Mm -hmm. because I was like okay I'm so Bobath I'm so NDT, so I went and did my training in NDT, and then I get I get burned out with i got burned out with that I'm you know because this the the progress was to me was very slow and I, and i realized now that it wasn't the patient it was probably my approach because i was so narrowly focused that i'm not exploring everything so i tried to switch and then i started doing ortho and spine and then i'm like now now i'm a, now i'm a mckenzie therapist i went through every single freaking training you can find like attended every single A, B, C, D, and E, you know, to 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 get my skills at. at uh, and then I thought I was going to be a in management and private practice, which I actually ventured into. So I even went and got my master's in healthcare administration at that point. You know, this was this was in the mid '90s. I'm a very slow learner because 20 years later, I found out that I was not very happy in management. <laughs> I was yeah, i that that was I hated that practice, I hated being responsible for somebody else's performance <laughs> and you know it' just, i can't you you think you can control that, but you can't, and then, so I went and kinda re- reinvented myself and I went back to practicing, and I went into home health, and when I was doing home health i I kind of learned that you know my my thing was. Helping people, kind of, and, and I love this phrase, and I don't know if you guys have heard this phrase, "aging in place." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, to me, that was that was uh, that was kind of like a my mind was blown. I was like, because every single person I talked to, every single adult, you know, older adult person that I talked to, all they want was really to be able to stay in their home and to thrive and not not be pulled out of their own home and then with an institution. So that actually, that triggered my um, that triggered my passion. And then I met a lot of 80-year-olds that, mm-hmm. like, but yeah, and I'm, I'm not kidding, that became good friends of mine. Like I would, to this date, I would, some of them I would still talk to and visit. Like um, they were actually uh, World War Two veterans and they were stationed in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, so that was very cool. That was a very cool experience because then, I, you know, they're they're talking to me, they, especially when they find out that I'm Filipino. And they're like, and from that point, I was kind of like, Oh wow! Like I do enjoy working with um, the older population, you know. So, and, and that's how that's how I came to my specialization. Kind of like what Conzi's saying. I just mine took a long, long time to do it. But essentially, what I did is I stuck my hand into every single practice there and found out that you know what, my my passion is this group of people. So I went and specialized in that, and now I'm finding that you know it's and because of my specialization, I can actually when I look at my pay and and it's it's a it's a valuable thing to have, I have to say. Because now I'm I, my my quest for learning is very focused on like geriatrics and ortho or giatric and neuros. So I I so now I can like okay, when I come across something I am challenged by, then I can I can like go into that and really dig my heel into it and kind of learn and absorb like a sponge what I want to learn about that, you know? So, and, then, and I think that's, that's the key is, you know, find what you're really, what makes you wake up in the morning and what, what kind of, what burns in you to find out, you know, to learn. And that's, that's kind of, that's how I found mine.
0: Burning. <laughs> Burning.
5: <laughs> Not an infection. <laughs> So on the topic of, uh, you know what the, on the topic of, like say yeah what wakes you up and burning of course uh some of us i mean no like Lika is relatively new uh, uh, practitioners u s wise uh but of course burnout because burning i just realized about uh, burnout is one of the biggest like problems in the uh practice right now um and i'm talking about uh U.S. practice. I don't know about the Philippines. I don't have data on that. You know, but from what I'm hearing, iba din kasi yun. Actually, hindi nawaot nung abut sa burnout. Eh, pero you know, iba yung ano, iba yung issue. But nito, you know, burnout. So a lot of people. That has been a lot of uh, our conversations in a lot of like the conferences that we've had and everything. So a lot of people, as you guys know, you know, par- parang, okay, we're so involved in like the different aspects of the profession. We're in practice. We're in this. We're in advocacy and that is always a, that is a frequent question. So what I have to say is uh, when it comes to that, um, I think what really also helps us not burn out is to also really involve ourselves in, you know, things that honestly, like it's not in practice per se, it doesn't pay us financially, But it's also a form of, and I wouldn't say giving back because there's no such thing. It's actually a form of paying forward. You know, the advocacy is a form of paying forward. The only thing with advocacy, too, is that, you know, there's no attachment to your name. There's a lot of resources actually involved with trying to help out an advocate. But at the end of the day, there's not much like personal gain in it kasi nga hindi naman bayad, wala ka namang pangalan at the end of it but what we find is that uh, it's actually very fulfilling in in a very different way mm-hmm. you know you it's very fulfilling and i can i cannot explain it um enough you know i can only go back to what the bible says you know when it comes to like you actually you give you receive when you give something like that right mm-hmm. the more you give the more you receive So I think, and honestly, which is not something, I guess it's also a Filipino trait, or maybe not, I actually don't know, Uh, but giving back to the different communities that we're in, whether it's back home or here, and I think that's a privilege for a lot of us Filipino Mm -hmm. Americans, because in a way, we're navigating two worlds, right? Which is also a challenge because we are also navigating two worlds, it's you an know, an because there's that's also an opportunity. De ba? Because we're helping in both. Pero the burnout is also very real, de ba? Yeah. You knew and on and what and that's why I like to me the multicultural PT and actually helping specifically our the immigrant population of the United States, which is you know increasing all the more. and Asians actually are the highest population of all um, races that's actually migrating in the United States, is that we as PTs also have the opportunity to actually help this migrant population acculturate, hindi lang yung PT, but the acculturation itself, you know, process, we can also help them navigate that uh, because that's a stressor, di ba? Yung health concerns nila. And we see that every day, and it's not just us, even our U.S. counterparts yung health beliefs nila, di ba? And who else better understands those, di ba?
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Kaya nga sinasabi ko, pagdating natin dito, madami tayong bagaheng dala. Actually, may yan eh, dalawa lang yung bagaheng dala natin normally, 50 pounds, right? And your hand carry, <laughs> right? Di ba? Pero actually, madami tayong mental, emotional baggage there also comes to it of being here. So I feel like when we go here, we really have to self-assess really. What is it that's good to actually live back? Di ko na yung kailangan, <laughs> <laughs> And ano yun talagang dadalhin mo that you can actually use? Ah, uh, that's going to be very useful, not just for yourself but for the people around you. So right,
0: yeah. right, right. So ah, uh, and and dami nating na pag-usapan, paghahabay <laughs> <laughs> usapan natin. Many rabbit, many rabbit hole. Oh. Yes. oh, huh?
1: Many rabbit hole, many
0: maraming tangent na pwedeng puntahan right. to right actually pwede i can say pwedeng puntahan na mm-hmm. na usapan eh but, but for the sake of time and you know uh, kasi gabay na rin din <laughs> sa inyo ah. um uh, i just like to thank everyone uh for coming to the podcast uh sharing your you know experiences and and also thank you dun sa mga uh nanonod those who are watching and uh who sent their questions uh to us and uh kind of led the conversation as well. So, um just to wrap up, uh, at the end of the podcast ko, we I usually ask my guests what's uh if there's something that you want the the audience to take away from our conversation, yung, yung, something that they can apply in their practice once they uh come Monday, you know? Uh ano yung bisbang sa kanila. Uh <laughs> what's that one thing that you want them to, to take away from our conversation today uh on the topic of like migrating and working in the US as a pt so okay, i'll start no while you guys think so i guess for me it's like when you're thinking about going to the philip uh to the US as a as a pt you to uh just be mindful about who you trust your future with like your recruiter your agency uh be a oh, Really research on them. It's good for me. Uh, uh, make sure that they're gonna help you going here. Ask them what their part is going here. What your responsibilities? What their responsibilities are? Hindi yung kasi yung there are there there are stories that even up to this day that recruiters and agencies would just drop you off and that's it. No, wala ano anything after that. So you, you're here to fend for yourself. So make sure that you're you know what you're going into. Research uh, the agency, the person that you trust your career with. So and and make sure that you have some support as well coming over here. Uh, that's really important. Because say if your agency like just drops you off, at least you know someone that can help you out. So that's for me. Anyone can go next
1: i go. Um, uh, build, you know, build. Uh, reach out and serve community. Basically, mo dito, it's really helpful to have a community. So sa amin it became our schoolmates, and from our schoolmates, it became professional mates. Because kayo, uh, Emmanuel. 80%, in batch namin, I think around 75%. Eh. It's easier for us to count ilan lang kung nandito. It's gotten to that point, right? So kami support kasi usually marami family just like a lot in this panel. So build that community. But because you're, you're, even though you're looking back at your old community, whether it's school or being a Filipino community, reach out. You know, I challenge ko palagi sa mga within five years, kailangan ma-invite ka sa isang birthday party ng isang hindi Pilipino. Right? Kasi doon ko, doon, doon ko malalaman na talagang hindi ka sa barangay eh. Kasi si Bino, talagang you are immersing yourself in the culture, in the community you're serving. Like si Mark, hindi na nga siya lumabas, sila lumapit sa kanya. So God bless... What uh, what community is that, Mark? Munster. Munster the community, right? For being kind to him. And then lastly, serve. Serving community na nasaan ka, you know, you guys are aware that we're trying to serve the Filipino community in the Philippines, right? And we're also trying to serve the American community and the PT community here in the U.S. So, yun lang sa akin siguro. Build, okay? Reach out and serve communities.
5: So, I'll naturally go but hindi mo <laughs> Okay. Let's see.
1: Um,
5: I think I have two. Okay, one is that um we all have biases. Uh, let me just put that out there, right? Uh, because we've come, we've mostly come from a monocultural society, Filipino lang, ba? iba yung it's more of social, uh, social economic. I think social economics, uh, yun yung mostly, uh, I think bias natin. But here now, we're introduced to a multitude of cultures. So. And you know, a lot of people may not realize that, but you know, Filipinos could be very uh, biased, right, against others as well. So uh, I would say, just like what Ben said, you know, like try to really reach out because you're already in a you, you're already in a great place to start with, and it's really going to help you um, actually connect to, to the to the people around you, the community around you, to actually. Be, you first known is that be aware of your bias and actually try to really get to know people to overcome the bias. That's the only way that you can actually otherwise. And you know, don't make although the experiences of others, right, uh, is also a good way to learn, don't make the experience all the experiences of others your own experience. And that's just me, seguro, You know, like okay, you may have had an experience with that, uh, but I may have another. You know, so unless it happens to me sometimes, and maybe sometimes I kind of like give always, always give like second opportunities. And then the other one, there on a very practical side, is that uh, I know for a lot of, especially those struggling, you know, with their work conditions because uh, of what the agencies and their workplaces are actually having them do. Honestly, mas matakot kayo, pangalagaan yung license niyo. Because here in the States, ultimately, it's the physical therapist is actually responsible for your own practice. Hindi ka business owner, those are two different things, okay? As a licensed professional, you are your own practice. You are the practice owner. So, pati billing, you cannot say, oh, pagka ikaw na audit, hindi ko hindi pwedeng sabihin, oh, this is what the facility wanted me to do. They are going to go after your license. So, sa totoo lang, sandamakmak ang potential agencies any workplaces that can actually continue, diba? uh Your status and all that, it's not impossible. Pero yung yung license. If your license gets revoked, that's it, pansit, <laughs> right? So, always think about that, especially when you're pushed against a hard wall. Uh, always your license first. Because pag wala ka ng license, that's about it. Especially right now, akala ng tao, oh, buti na lang, meron ng, what do you call that? Um uh, compact, right? But what but people did also realize is that, okay, pagka red mark ka sa isang state, patay ka. Pa. Hindi kami makakapunta sa iba. So, always think there's always a repercussion to all of that. So, you know, please, uh, reach out. Uh, wala naman, you know, may, may Facebook na, may social media na, you know, like, please wala ng ibang tutulong sa ngayon kundi tulong mo yung sarili mo hey, you know, pwedeng eh. you know that works for the philippines maybe but not here
0: so. right okay
2: who's next i think i'll go next uh, just to tie in with what cauci said uh, treat each uh, patient encounter as a gift and as a learning experience then um, learn or learn or get to see your patient as a human being with his or her, her own story, no matter what color of his or her skin is, kung gano, o kung yari, uh, if the patient is very difficult, proving very difficult, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And don't judge a patient because of that. Well, it, it'll be hard not to, but just understand that that patient's also going through something. And just being aware of that makes you more... Appear more compassionate to the patient that opens doors, Uh, and then it also helps rid or not rid, mitigate or reduce your bias against a person or against a person's skin, religion, color, or political affiliation. That that helped me a lot here.
3: Okay, I'll go next. I'll just add just briefly. um, I know I was talking about not being confident and all that stuff, but my parting word is believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. We have good work ethics coming from the Philippines and don't take things personally. I think I have to stress that T- you know, tough skin, but don't take personally. It's not, it's not against, or it's not a measurement of, wh- of what kind of person you are. Just some people, some patients, they just don't like you, your personal- personality clash. So don't take things personally.
4: All right. well, I guess I'm um, the last one. <laughs> um <laughs> So for, for those of you who are think thinking of coming over and practicing in the US, my I guess my parting words would be to be both excited and both and curious. Mm-hmm. Excited because you need you need to be open to jumping into new things. That there is a reason why you left the comfort of home and to come over here and to experience this, right? So be excited about that. Because that will that also that 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 establishes your energy, right? When you're excited about new things, you're also excited about learning new things. And that's the other thing, curiosity. You have to be very curious. Comes with curiosity is your uh, your ability to ask questions. Don't be fearful of asking questions. If you do not know, ask questions. And find out if they, they can't give you the answers, find out ways to uh, to, 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 to get the answers for you. Um I, I envy you guys. You know, I went to the school of pen and paper. Um, when I went to my master's program, that was the beginning of Windows, yeah. <laughs> right? Now, 1990s, mid 1990s, and then <laughs> when I went to my I'm not joking. When I went to my DPT, when they told me that um, I was about, I was supposed to do research at home, and I have I have this world catalog that's open to my to my uh, for for me utilize those, be excited, be curious, reach out for new information, be open to learning new skills because we, none of us have been. I've been in the practice for 30 something years and I'm still learning something new every single day. So yeah, excited, be very excited about the change that you have embraced and then be very curious about what's, what's opening up to you because it's a brand new world, you know, and it's in it. And you have to maintain that uh, mentality from day one till you know you're about to retire from the U.S. at the age of 67 or 70, <laughs> right? So yeah, those are my those are my two things. All right. So again, thank
0: you, um, everyone. Uh, Manuel, Mark, Ben, Maria, Fredy, for uh, coming over to the podcast, sharing your experiences live, unfiltered, <laughs> <laughs> unfiltered, and and <laughs> <I'm>, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, and, and we hope uh, we hope for those who are still uh, watching, uh, you, you learned a lot uh, from our perspective and in science and our experiences uh, so that, you know, it, it gets you excited kung pupuntaman kayo dito sa US or you're staying in the Philippines on, you know, what paths or, or you know, uh, you would take in your career. So yeah, so hopefully we can uh, have another conversation like this. Pwede, no? <laughs> and yung, uh, we'll, we'll...
3: I miss you guys. <laughs> <laughs> when
0: I miss PSM. guys! I miss Was
1: that the uh, <laughs> <version? laughs> <laughs> Diego go to San Diego in February. Malamang, these five folks are going to be there. Oh, I'll be, be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. In and out, maybe you too. Oh, and the... Uh, <laughs> <down. ayan.
4: laughs> you can't see you guys might want to talk about the uh the meeting coming up in august
5: right so uh great news you know because we are now thank god like officially uh under the umbrella of the apta through the academy of leadership and innovation which was formerly uh hpa okay so uh so we are now at this the starting point we are a catalyst group so this is just a starting point but so which is why I say you know this is really when the work begins because hopefully eventually we transition to a SIG okay so a special interest group within uh the ALI as well uh, so this is really open to actually just about um you know MDPs who are actually interested in learning about like different cultures you know so but uh the the multicultural pt group you know it's really spearheaded by thankfully like internationally educated pts and these are actually pts from all over the world you know not just the philippines but of course we're we're very much active in it so the philippines um india um we have somebody from like south africa as well um
6: Nigeria Nigeria
5: yeah but these are actually just the ones from the IEPT work staff group that we have before but with the newly formed multicultural PT catalyst it's really open for everyone so we're going to have a town hall meeting that's going to be on August 18th Um, that's going to be at eight o'clock Eastern uh, Daylight Savings Time that's going to be I think five o'clock in California so that's actually when we're going to be presenting the it's not a Uh, It's not the final strategic plan, you know, so mission, vision, and all that. Uh, But basically, we're presenting, we wanted feedback, and more especially as well, we also want your feedback on the kinds of advocacies, programs that you think is really going to help uh this communities so when I say community I'm talking about internationally educated PT so this could be from licensure you know to just about anything acculturation most especially we're also talking about first and second generation um immigrant PT's PT students you know PTAs um because the thing is actually it was just for IEPTs but then we realized actually no It was during the CSM presentations that a lot of uh, actually uh, PT students whose parents, you know, uh, are immigrants themselves actually learned a lot. So it it was mind blowing because you're all of a sudden uh, without intending to actually also building generational gaps. Mm -hmm. So it's actually an intersectionality that we call, okay because it's both the generational and the cultural gap. So I'm like, oh, wow, you know, so, so pareho, diba? And if that's, again, like Freshie was saying, diba? if relationship at home is not well, that actually kind of, you know, goes into different areas of our life. So that is something that we can actually help with, then that's great. Um, ano pa? And also for Thank our you. white, I mean, our other uh, U.S. based or U.S. educated counterparts who actually are serving in multicultural communities, neighborhoods, and want to serve their uh, their patients better by learning more about the culture, then we're also would be a great resource. So um, the the, uh, the general
1: uh, meeting is open to all, all. APTA members and non APTA members. So okay. that we're we just really trying to expand the pool. Uh, In the future, past that meeting, hopefully we'll be able to show what it is and maybe we can, uh, you know, give enough um, understanding for folks to think maybe something's interesting to them to even become a part of the catalyst group because of that. But for the general meeting, we just would like to open up to everybody just so that there's no barrier and we can get all your input.
5: Yeah, when, we, when I was at the, at the summit recently, the, what I noticed echoing in my ear was the word belonging. You know, everybody wants to belong. And I have to say, I, to a certain extent, okay, yeah, I can actually attest and I can agree to that. Because when we were, coming before, parang wala masyadong, wala kami masyado nakikita, So we should, we're like, okay, APTA, may mga concerns. Hindi e pa naman ako American citizen, pwede ba ako member Kasi, okay, hindi ko pa alam ko status ko. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you are part of the PT profession, then you're part of APTA, whether you know it or not, whether you're a member or not, because the APTA influences your practice. That's so true. please, you know, come out. And there's really, at this point, there's no more, uh, you know, ex- I guess, reason uh, not to feel belong or not to feel, not to feel belong, not to have that <laughs> sense of belonging, because May mga na kayo at this
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure kayo sa amin. That's why we more. Oh,
5: so we're, you're younger, you're this, this and that. But you know, we're all in this together. So that's basically the message.
0: All uh, right. When 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 is the uh assembly again? August
5: August eighteenth. August eighteenth. Yeah. August eighteenth at um eight PM EDT. All
0: right, eight PM E. D. T. then we're gonna post that
5: five PM, the... yeah, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific. Sorry.
0: All right, pita mga na, and And again, thank you everyone for joining, and thank you everyone who's uh, watching still. And uh, hopefully you join us in our next uh, handaan. So again, uh, everyone have a good uh, day and uh, night. Thank you. Good Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, Please follow the podcast social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests, Uh, of the show you can reach me through all the podcast social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com all right looking forward to hearing from
4: you thanks
0: just a reminder folks the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only the show strives to keep all information true and correct but humans sometimes make mistakes factual errors may be present so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well now let's go back to the show